Well, I want to think about the work of the Holy Spirit this morning. We began it last time, and it uh, arises from this passage about John the Baptist. He's uh, preaching by the River Jordan in the wilderness. He's baptizing people, and baptism is a picture of a great reality. And uh, it's something that happened to Jesus Christ himself. He was baptized, and many were being baptized there by the River Jordan. But John's baptism was uh, only external. It's quite limited what any preacher uh, is able to do, what any Christian can, can do. Uh, I can't make you a Christian. I can't take away your sins. I can't bring you peace with God. I can't guarantee you a place in heaven. But I know one who can. And so I want to point to him as John the Baptist pointed uh, to his, him. Uh, John's baptism was important, but there was one coming after John the Baptist, he says, uh, who was the real deal. He was one who would baptize, not with water, but with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John the Baptist is saying, it's not me, it is him. It's the one who will come. And uh, shortly after this, he's going to point to the Lord Jesus Christ, as we heard from our pastor Wynne last Sunday morning, and he will say about Jesus Christ, Behold, the Lamb of God. There were many lambs in the Old Testament. They were pictures. But here's the reality. He is the Lamb of God, who actually takes away the sin of the world. Potentially the whole world can be forgiven through what Jesus Christ did. But actually, only those who trust in Him will have their sins forgiven, will have peace with God, and will have that free ticket to heaven. And uh, our salvation is the work of the triune God. God the Father sends Jesus, Jesus willingly comes, but it's God the Holy Spirit. We're thinking about Him who makes the gospel real. And uh, last time I spoke on this, uh, we thought about His first work in our lives, which is a big word, it's called regeneration. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be regenerated, you must be born again. There must be a new start in your life. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. You can be sat in a meeting like this, or in a, a youth meeting, or in minicamp, or in Sunday school, we're praying for the children now. In Sunday school, you can be in a youth meeting, you can actually be sat at home, you could be out on a walk, and suddenly the Holy Spirit comes and makes the things of Jesus Christ real to you. That you're a sinner, that God is holy beyond your imagination, that the penalty for your sin is death, spiritually, that's why you don't know God. Physically, you will die. Now, you youngsters there are thinking, lots of life ahead of me. Well, have a look at this. This is your future. <laughs> Chatting to Jill yesterday, you know, 60 is a big mark in, in your life. We got quite a low, comfortable couch, and uh, we got two of them in the, the lounge, and Jill sort of lays on one watching the telly, I lay on the other, and then we try and get up. I tell you, when you reach your 60s, we start to rock quite a bit before you can get up. Now, you youngsters can just jump up and leap up, and they, there you go, but not, not me, not anymore. There's a day coming when I'll be leaping and jumping again, though. 
because I'm going to get a new body. But first I have to, well, for the Christian, we fall asleep and then we waken up to, to, to heaven. But sin means I, I must leave this world. But if I'm not forgiven, then there's only an eternal destruction waiting for me. And the Holy Spirit makes that real. I'm a sinner. God is, is holy. What's the answer? Well, it's not going to church and religion and reading the Bible and saying your prayers. It's Jesus Christ. Who is he? The second person of the one triune God. One God, three persons. Three gods, no one God. Three persons. Who is Jesus? He's not the Father, he's not the Spirit, yet he's one with the Father and the Spirit. He's the Son who leaves heaven and takes a human body like yours and mine. He's born of the Virgin Mary. He's born a little baby. He goes through nine months in the womb and he, uh, he's born and he, he's a little baby and he needs feeding and changing. He becomes a young child and a, a teenager and he goes around doing good for 33 years. What's he doing? He's representing you and me because we can't deliver a clean life to get to heaven. I need a clean life and he does that for me. And then he dies the death that I deserve. He took my hell that I might gain his heaven. The wages of sin is death and it must be paid. God the great economist and Jesus Christ pays in full the debt of us all. Sank him to the depths of hell on Calvary. My God, why hast thou forsaken me? He's forsaken that we need never be forsaken. How do you know it's all true? Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. And as I've outlined the gospel, what do you need to do? Believe. Repent, as John the Baptist said. Turn away from self. Turn to Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent of what I am and what I've done and ask forgiveness of God. It comes through the Lord Jesus Christ and you will have eternal life regeneration, being born again. The second work is sanctification, being cleaned up. Now, a Christian is a saved sinner. We have a new goal, to love God and to please Him and to follow Him. We have the Holy Spirit living within us who gives us the power to live the divine life. And as I read the Bible, my life now should adjust to be more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thought about those things last time, but now... I want to come on to another work of the Holy Spirit. Give it many names. I want to call it the unction of the Holy Spirit. A special work. It's not regeneration. It's not sanctification. Let's call it a, a, a divine unction of the Holy Spirit. Just three points. We'll go quickly through them. What is this work? Why is it done and how can we know this in our lives? Now let me say, uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones preached 41 sermons on this particular subject. And I'm going to give now a 20-minute overview. So hang on to your hats and may it be helpful to me and to you because it might surprise you, but the preacher is under the same word. Uh, I'm not above anybody. As I preach, I, I, I can assure you I'm listening. And I learn things as I preach. And new emphases come as well. So are you, are you willing to listen? I, I'm willing to listen. What has God got to say to me? And what has He got to say to us as a church this morning? First point, what, what is this unction? First of all, let me say this. It is something experiential. It's something that we... Feel. 
It's not something we primarily deduce and think, but something that we experience. This is experimental Christianity. Now, when I was converted in 1976, uh, coming from atheism to to faith, what I was promised, because I so what I said was this, I, I'm not interested in religion. And the chap I was speaking to said, well, ne- neither am I. And what we're offering is not religion. What we're offering is reality. That struck me. You can come to know God, not just know about Him, but to know the God of all creation. That's the glory of Christianity. It's not just uh, do this, do that, stand up, sit down, nod your head, dress in a certain way, say certain things, uh, read Shakespeare in English. No. It's a, it's a relationship with the God who is there. My, my own creator. That's what was promised to me all those years ago. And that's what I crave and what I desire. I wouldn't give tuppence for religion. Didn't want it then. I don't want it now. Give me reality or I die. So we're in this area. A divine Unction, an experience of love divine. One hymn writer put it this way, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. To, to, to have this assurance, to know that I am saved. Now, if I ask you a question here this morning, how do you know you're saved? On one level and perhaps the best level, I read it in the Bible. And I believe he's the God who cannot lie. So here's a verse. For God so loved the world. Soul of the world. Can I take it in? He gave his only begotten son. The darling of heaven. The prince of glory. The delight of his own heart. He gave him Jesus Christ. That whoever believes in him shall not perish. But will have. He is a cast iron guarantee a triple lock that will never be regained on or neglected or gone back on because there's a lack of uh, money to supply. No, he has infinite resources. He will never go back on the promise. You will have everlasting life if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and the work of Jesus has done it all for us. I read it in his word and that's the solid foundation of my assurance. How firm a foundation Ye saints of the Lord is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said, you who unto Jesus for refuge have fled. I believe it. Second level of assurance. I see a change in my life. 46 years. Oh, there have been ups and downs. But if you really have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, what you're looking for is a change of attitude and disposition and you'll find you want to you do want to read the Bible. You enjoy reading it. Not always. Let me put caveats on it. I don't want to depress anybody or quench anybody. Because there are times I go through where, actually, quite frankly, I don't feel like reading the Bible. But you know what I do? I read it anyway. I read it anyway. And I go to church because I love to go to church. And it's, isn't it great we have two services on the Sunday? Can't you wait? You just can't wait to get back tonight, can you? Why, oh why, would I want to be anywhere else? Now, you don't have to come twice, of course. 
Jesus Christ has saved you. You're going to heaven in his merits, not by church going. But why wouldn't we want to come? Now, there are reasons. Child care, ill health, uh, family commitments that, that come along from time to time. Maybe you have to work on occasions as well. But don't let reasons become excuses. Oh, why would I want to be anywhere else? There's been a one, what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. So there's a change. Now with these first two things I'm speaking about, assurance, I deduce things. I read the word, I believe it, it says it, I believe it, therefore I'm saved. There's been a change in my life and I think back on my own life, things I could never have changed, he has changed for me, therefore it must all be true but here's the third level we come on to this divine unction now how do I know I'm saved there are occasions and we can ask God for these occasions when I feel it there is an experience of him and I know it not by deduction but by a direct immediate work of God the Holy Spirit where in the depths of my very being the Holy Spirit bears witness where not with my mind not with my heart not with my will but with the very essence of what I am the Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I am a child of God it's immediate Joseph Hart wrote this in one of his hymns, true religion is more than notion. Something must be known. Yeah, it must be known. But also felt. Now, are we missing out on the real deal? <laughs> Don't sell out for less. Don't settle for less. I want to know and feel that he is mine. And this is this divine unction and it ebbs and flows there are times when we can tangibly know because he by the holy spirit does something in the depths of my spirit let me read you a section from romans chapter 5 which we'll come back to in a little while well not too long romans 5 therefore having been justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit given to us. The love of God. Now, how high is it? Wide, wide as the ocean. High as the heavens above. Deep, deep as the deepest sea is my Saviour's love, I, though so unworthy, still am a child of his care, for his word teaches me that his love reaches me everywhere. Lovely words, and I can read them in the Bible. 
But there are times, there are times when that love of God by the Holy Spirit is, now here's the word, but it's a lovely Greek word. Uh, I haven't got this on your list, this Greek word, uh, ekchio, uh, poured into our hearts. It means uh, something that gushes. If you turn the tap on, you just want a glass of water, and so you turn it on gently. There are times when, oh, and you turn it, and you get real, you get the full, well, you don't get a full glass, it's all gone all over you and everywhere. It's gushing out. Um, I love jam roly poly. If you invite me for lunch any time, then uh, if there's a dessert, then uh, well, I wonder if it's jam roly poly. And that, you know, the, the one done with, with suet and, and steamed in a muslin, oh, yeah. And, but I like custard with it. Would you like, I'm not getting jam roly poly, no, okay. I'm, I'm at the Alcalados for lunch today and I'm just being confirmed it's not jam roly poly. Well, I'm sure it'll be very nice, whatever it is, but I love custard with my jam roly poly. Do you like custard? Yes. And they put a little bit on. I'm a bit disappointed. Give me the jug. And poured on. Uh, liberally. Poured out. I think the authorised version, the love of God, shared abroad in our hearts. Something very direct from the Holy Spirit. Here's um, a Scottish uh, Puritan, uh, William Guthrie. It is a glorious divine manifestation of God unto the soul, shedding abroad God's love in the heart. Listen to this now. It is a thing better felt than spoken of. So I'm speaking of it, or that we might feel it. Preacher and hearer. It is no audible voice, but it is a ray of glory filling the soul with God as he is life, light, love, and liberty, corresponding to that audible voice, O oh man, greatly beloved, putting a man in a transport. Oh, how glorious is this manifestation of the Spirit. Let me go on to Romans chapter 8. I think I've quoted this already. Let me read verses 15 and 16. For you, he's writing to ordinary Christians, did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Now listen to this. The Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. This is something direct. Notice that. His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, bears a witness deep within me on occasions with my Spirit that I am a child of God, causing me, therefore, to cry out, Abba, Father, it's nothing I've deduced from my reading now. It's right that I read, I must read, and on times when I'm reading, my heart is warm. That is, uh, again, an unction. It can be in reading. Uh, but this divine unction is a, is a, is a direct work <coughs> of God, the Holy Spirit. I, I'm so 
thankful for this work of the Holy Spirit, whereby he's not involving my mind particularly, but he's speaking to the depths of my soul. Do you know that gives great comfort because as we live longer, many of us do end up with something called dementia in its many forms. And uh, maybe we lose the ability to really read and to concentrate and to function and to remember. God is able to communicate. But always remember that. If you're going through it now, you know it's true. He communicates still. And that light shines in the darkness. And He will take you home soon. And if you're watching others go through it, don't despair. Oh, it needs much grace and patience, certainly. But His Spirit witnesses with their spirit that they are the children of God. What a glorious faith we have. I mentioned Ephesians 3 to the, uh, the, the children. He is a work of the Holy Spirit. Paul is praying it will be done for the Ephesians and for the heathens here that uh, the Holy Spirit would enlighten their understanding that they might know, grasp, height, depth, length, breadth, and to know that love of God that passes understanding to be filled with a measure of all the fullness of God. Let me come on to one uh, final Scripture that describes what this is, and then we'll move rapidly to the final two points. 1, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8. Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. And though you do not see Him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. You rejoice. There are times when you can rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Now, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4 tells us to rejoice in the Lord always. And the Greek word is Cairo. And uh, this is a settled joy. Even though you might not be smiling through the circumstances of life, there's a, a joy deep down in your soul. But this Greek word here in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8, which is translated joy, unspeakable and full of glory, agaleo, which means not a settled joy, but it's an exuberant joy. You might say, oh, he's jumping for joy. Now, for somebody who has the Philippians joy, they could still look pretty dour, as many Reformed believers are able to do. And will we got the joy we really have, but it's, we're pretty well hidden. But when this happens, this agaleio, there's no denying it. It just bursts forth and you will uh, rejoice with a joy that is uh, inexpressible. You rejoice with joy, so you agaleio with, uh, with kara, with a cheerfulness and delight uh, which is inexpressible. You can't use words. Why are you so happy? <laughs> and it's full of glory, uh, an effervescence and a, a luster and a shining. So this is what it is. Now, it doesn't happen all the time. 
we couldn't contain it. And it varies in degree. And there's a personal revival or a church revival or a national revival, something dramatic. It's explained by this divine unction that comes on a person, a church, or a, upon a whole nation. Happened in 1904 in Wales. It explains buildings like these around uh, the whole of, of Wales. They were built to accommodate the vast numbers uh, that were coming in. But sometimes it's really quite, quite minor, but it's still the same thing. Sometimes a light surprises a Christian while he sings. I think it's hymn 96 in, in the hymn book. And uh, we feel that embrace. So this is what it is. Why, why does the Lord give this? Well, two things. One is assurance. Now we can be feeling down and then suddenly he comes and he tells me that I am his. I have his word, that's wonderful. As a changed life, that's wonderful. I say, these are foundational. But at times it is direct. He tells me I am his. Read the Puritans. Thomas Goodwin talks about um, um, a man who is walking along a lane with his son and they're holding hands. And the little boy knows that's his father and the father knows that's his son. But on occasions, the father will sweep up the little boy into his arms and give him a hug and say, I, I love you. And the boy is just reassured and he puts the boy down. They walk along again. Now, he's not always carrying the child. Otherwise, the child's legs would atrophy and he wouldn't be able to walk. He put him down, he'd fall over. And so it is our Heavenly Father, for most of the time we're walking through this world and we need to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is the Lord who's working in us to do and to will according to His good pleasure. But on occasion, and He's wonderful, He'll give us a hug. Sometimes quite a small one, sometimes a light surprises, sometimes He's a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Sometimes it's individuals, sometimes it's a family, sometimes a whole church family is being stirred on this level. Assurance. Assurance. There's much I brought I could have read. I, I won't read it. Let me commend John Owen uh, in one of his great uh, volumes. The spine's fallen off. Volume 2. Oh, this is communion with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Read it. Reread it. And get onto the part about the Holy Spirit. There's a whole section I'd love to have read. Time is whizzing by, and Owen talks about this direct work. He says, it's not something you deduce. It's something he does to give you a blessed assurance. Second reason is power. Power to witness. Acts 8, 1 and verse 8, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. And for the person, individually, you know, we're doing lots of lovely things. The culmination, Sunday services. But photo survey will be on again. Um, same morning as the men's breakfast, 12th of November. Chill and chat a week on Tuesday. And we're going to be looking at uh, cancel culture and walkism and tolerance and uh, looking to lead into the gospel. But uh, starting there and then there's the light party on Monday and the fireworks on Saturday, the Sunday schools now. Oh, 
I've really enjoyed going to the kids' clubs on Friday night and seeing the wonderful works going on there and uh, such a range of things, men's breakfast, ladies' meetings, musical movements starting up soon if you want to help out in that, have a chat with Lois or, or Brian, all these wonderful things. But at the moment, we're given that opportunity to, to witness or to know his power, or to know his power personally, church-wide, to know that power to speak about the Lord Jesus Christ. And oh, what's the hope for Wales? What's the hope for Britain? What's the hope for the United Kingdom? We pray for uh, Rishi Sunak. We pray for the cabinet. We pray for the Welsh uh, Senedd. We pray for local councils. But oh, we need to be asking this divine power might fall upon us individually. Read about these things. Let me recommend uh, sermons by Duncan Campbell. You can still get them online, a bit scratchy, and his Scottish accent. But if he can battle through it, there's gold there, there's treasure there. <clears throat> the last big revivals in, uh, on, on, in Britain were there in, in Lewis and Harris and the Highlands and Islands and Duncan Campbell and Eyewitness and greatly used of God in them. And you can still hear the, the recordings. Let me pass rapidly on to the, the how. How can we know this? Well, just to say he, of course, the Spirit is sovereign. It's a direct work of God. But we can ask... We can ask. If we don't ask, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? He's speaking to His disciples. Ask, seek, knock. Speak, I pray thee, gentle Jesus. Oh, how passing sweet thy words. Breathing o'er my troubled spirit. Note that earth can, can afford. How my soul within me yearneth. Now to hear thy voice divine. I'm thinking now of all the different works that we have going on. They're, they're lovely. And the culmination is the Sunday uh, services. I'm picturing Mount Carmel. I'm picturing the, uh, the altars prepared and the sacrifices is laid and uh, so chill and chat. and we, we do all the work and it's right we prepare and... Uh, Fiona's preparing some questions. I'll prepare an outline and we're putting out leaflets and we look to ask people and, uh, and then the, the bonfire party and I'm going to have a look around the land uh, this afternoon with my Wellingtons on and see, see what the situation is. And oh, I bought the fireworks all, already and um, lots is prepared. I hope people are making cakes. If you can make cakes, do, do, uh, do, do let Ruth know. Supply cakes for next. And all these things we're, we're doing. I'll prepare a little talk, eight minutes. You can time me. It'll be an eight-minute gospel uh, message. And we'll let the fireworks off and, and a bonfire. And all these things. And, and for next Sunday, uh, win, win's preaching, I guess, next Sunday. It must be, yes, will we win? Well, we're praying for, for Wynn as he preaches next, next Sunday and he'll be preparing and writing and thinking and seeking and he'll come here and I'm thinking of Mount Carmel and all these things, all the preparations being done. You know, on Mount Carmel, the people are still perplexed. Who is, who is God? Who is God? And so, Elijah prays. And the unction. The fire fell. And there was no doubt. And the crowd said, not because the altar had been laid and the sacrifice had been prepared, but because the fire fell. 
The people knew the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And so ask, it will be given to you. We need the fire. And it's good to prepare, and it's not wrong to prepare and to work hard and do all these good things. But the greatest work we can do is to pray. And to pray for this in particular. For you and for me personally in our daily lives, for our families and for the whole church family. And the prayer meeting ought to be gripped with this prayer. Lord, let the fire fall. And there are some people's prayers who I really warm to. I don't embarrass anybody, but some have been given a gift to, to enter into the Holy of Holies, as it were. And I'm right there with you, hanging on your, cur- your cocktails. But let's pray for this. Let's pray for this above all else. <clears throat> better than good weather. Better than health and wealth. That divine power to fall. And the people will know. His great work. How do you know that somebody's filled with the Holy Spirit? You know, I've met people in the past and, um, oh, do you know, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit and uh, uh, oh, I, can, I can do this and I can do that and uh, I, I'm able to do this and the other and so and so. And uh, What's that about? When the Holy Spirit comes, says Jesus, He will give you power to witness about me. And if someone is talking all the time about Jesus Christ, they're not mentally disturbed. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. It's uh, it's what he does. He never points to himself. He's working to make the things of Jesus Christ real. And I wonder, has he done that for you here this morning? How about you youngsters on minicamp? Anyone of you been saved this weekend? Because that's what it's all been about, you know? Good you have a good time. And I hope you did get some sleep and had some lovely food. But we've been praying you'd be saved. How about here? I've, you know, I've mentioned the gospel. I've gone through the gospel. It's 12 o'clock. Where's the time gone? Anybody been saved this morning? That's what it's all about. Not here to sing our favorite hymns and uh, go through favorite passages. It's all about Jesus. And all about your sins being forgiven. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing flood? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you trusting Him? Him alone right now. If you believe this morning, it'd be good if you'd let me know at the door. If you filled in your um, sheets, you can come and get, oh, there's all sorts in here, curly-whirlies, lollipops, crunchies. Ooh, have to raid our chocolate drawer. I'd rather you went home with eternal life, though. This will give you tooth decay. Don't depress you. But, uh, but Jesus Christ will give you a new set of teeth one day if you trust in, in him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for a brief time in your words while highlighting the work of the Holy Spirit. But we thank you that he delights to point to Jesus Christ and pray that he would ever, Jesus Christ, be exalted in our midst. Pray that some might be saved here this morning and make that known. To God be the glory, we pray. Amen. Let's sing a final hymn. All right, yes. Thou great mysterious God unknown, about the work of the Holy Spirit, making the things of God real to us. Let's sing this final hymn.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen.